a desert planet with twin suns. Cassian Ander. This is what revolution looks like. People are standing up. Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Liu. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for tuning into this week's Andor Review and Breakdown. We're going through the ninth episode today. So without further ado, let's dive into I Have Spoken. I Have Spoken. Like always, I'm going to start with my non-spoiler review, followed by my full spoiler breakdown, review, and vision segment, which is my theory segment. Um, so as far as my non-spoiler review goes... I thought this episode was great. It The swirl of tension, anxiety, and helplessness continues, and you feel that things are starting to boil over. The storylines are crossing, and you get the sense that we're building towards something big. I'm really excited to see what happens in the next couple weeks, and that's about all that I have, so this is your spoiler warning, spoiler, 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 spoiler. Let's dive in. So I'm going to continue to kind of break these down by storyline, which include the ISB storyline, Cyril's storyline, Mothma's storyline, and Cassian's storyline. Um, and I'm going to end with the one that I feel like has the most substance to it, which substance to it, which is Cassian's. Um, so I'm not going to be going necessarily in order of events as they happen in the the episode, but I'm just going to be kind of covering what I think are things of note. Um, as far as the ISB storyline goes. Deidre, or Dedra is sadistic. She is extremely intimidating and psychologically manipulative, which I found actually kind of attractive, but we're not going to get into that today. Um, but she's done her homework, and she's not messing around on Ferrix. Uh, she calls herself more nuanced than other Imperials, and she really wants to know the motivation of the people that she's interrogating. Um, and the scene with her and Bix was really well done. I really enjoyed it. And I think that it's really interesting that she's also keeping Marva as bait or insurance. And as I said in my theory segment last week, I think that that's going to be the breaking point for Ferrix is someone's going to go after Marva, whether it's Dedra or another Imperial. And um, that's going to cause the people of Ferrix to rise up against the Imperials. I find it interesting that Bix continues to protect Cassian, even though she seemed pretty reluctant to help him the last time they talked, she seems to consider him dangerous and irresponsible and selfish, but she still tried her best to protect him and to not give away um, any information about him. And she also says that the ISB are the worst of the worst, so um, we see that the ISB has a reputation. They're kind of like the uh, the Gestapo of sorts for the Empire. Um we also get introduced to a character named Dr. Gorst. He's very pragmatic and seems to have dissociated himself from the torture that he's inflicting. He sees it as more of a scientific exploit. Um, the torture that they use, use screams of Dizonite children as a sort of psychological tor torture. And it causes crippling emotional distress, which is super upsetting, but also pretty interesting and really really sadistic like i said earlier um seems like they're going to hang pack i don't know if that's going to happen or not i would assume not that might be the breaking point too maybe they're going to hang pack and then marva comes out uh to try to stop them and then they take that they're going to take down marva and that's when the mob erupts um just kind of came up with that off the top of my head so honorary vision segment there but um but yeah, I think that that could be an interesting turning point for things as well. 
We also get to see Ghidra's quick thinking uh, as she makes a plan to make Krieger's pilot seem like they had an accident, which will cause the rebels to lead them to their base on Steergard. I think that that's a pretty interesting thing. No, maybe he was going something somewhere else. They, they were going somewhere else. But the point is, they captured this pilot from Anto Krieger's um, rebel cell, which we heard referenced in the, lo- in the last episode. And they're scared that the fact that they captured him is going to draw Krieger's attention. And they're going to like essentially withdraw and go into hiding. So what they're going to do is they're going to tamper with this pilot's ship, put him, kill him, put him back in it, make it seem like he died in a ship malfunction. Whenever they go out to retrieve the ship, the Imperials are going to track them down back to their base. And I think that that's a rather brilliant strategy. So it's cool to see the Imperial side of this plan because normally, narratively speaking, we only get to see stuff from the um, Rebel side. So... It just kind of adds a cool perspective. Moving on to Mon Mothma's storyline. We get more in the Imperial Senate, and we get to see that it doesn't really mean anything anymore. Mon Mothma's trying to move or start a motion against the um, P.O.R.D., the, I don't remember, it's the Public Ordinance of Resentencing Declaration. I don't remember. It's something, whatever the recent declaration was, um that increased people's sentences and restricted people more heavily. She's trying to start a motion against that, but um, people are interested. They're turning off their pods and talking over her. And this, this just shows that the Senate for the Empire doesn't actually hold any real power, only the illusion of it. And Palpatine's really the one calling all the shots, um, which we knew, but it's cool to see represented. Vel is Mon's cousin, which is a super cool tie-in. Um, we learned in the last episode that she was this rich girl on the run from her family. And it makes sense that the Mothmas are all have kind of a re- rebellious streak in them. It would make sense that that's the reason that a rich girl would join the front lines of the rebel cause. Um, and it's cool that they kind of represent different sides of the fight. When Mothma is the more political and... Um, leader-oriented side, whereas Vel is on the front lines. Uh, also love that Vel kind of handled Mon's douchey husband very well. And speaking of her husband, him and Mon's daughter both seem to assume that Tay and Mon were romantically involved at some point, um, which shows that they don't think very highly of Tay or Mon's relationship with him as it's developed recently. So now speaking of Tay... He advises Mon to take money from a thug on Chandrila. And she's more she's in this morally ambiguous place where she's not sure of how her actions will impact innocent people because she doesn't know where this money's coming from. But she has to keep going to help people in the long run because what she's doing is very important to the greater galaxy as a whole. So it's kind of this balancing act of okay. How do these actions affect these people, whereas how does my inaction affect people in the long run? So, I just love the way the show's tackling that sort of stuff, and it's not even explicitly stating it, at least not yet, but it's just super cool. Um, Cyril Karn, he has more mommy issues. Uh, His mom's very manipulative and invasive and kind of controlling, 
but he does seem infatuated with Deidre, Dedra. Could be linked to his mommy issues. He's the authority figure, but maybe I'm reading too much into that. Um, but both have a strong sense of justice. He seems to be stalking her. And he seems infatuated with her because she validates his obsession with Cassian. I kind of ship it, I'm not going to lie, but it'll be interesting to see how that continues. Um, because I didn't think that that storyline was going to take that sort of turn, but it certainly seems that it's heading in that direction. Finally, we get to Narkina 5, which is the prison that uh, Cassian's in. Kino, played by Andy Serkis. He's convinced himself that the Empire will play fair and is therefore committed to playing by the rules to keep uh, the imps happy and get out when he's supposed to. He doesn't want anyone talking bad about the Imperials for fear that it reflects poorly on him. And he has this unsubstantiated hope that motivates him to follow the rules, be a good little soldier, and he'll get out eventually. But he also cares a lot about his men, and that's how the cause, the rebel cause, gets through to him eventually, and he becomes disillusioned. Um, and also just the fact that his trust is broken and the veil is lifted, but we'll talk about that more later. Cassian, we see him forming allies and making observations on ways to escape. He seems to be a galvanizer and someone who's able to get people to rally and stand up uh, as one united front. And then we get to see more little acts of rebellion throughout uh, the prison. Cassian is filing some Piper wire when he takes a restroom break. Unclear what it's doing exactly, but he's also plotting escape with another one of the inmates. We see more hand motions and that they're more widespread throughout the entire prison. Um... And finally, by the end, we learn that someone from level four ended up on level two after being quote-unquote released, which prompts a riot where they all die. Or maybe not a riot, but the word spreads and they all get killed um, because they don't want the news spreading any further. Um, and this is what causes Kino to get disillusioned. And Kino is the linchpin of Tukassian's plan because he has the authority and he has the knowledge to help um, move things forward faster. And I just love the, love the line, the less they think we know, the better. The imps don't think they know anything, and Cassian wants to keep it that way because they have the element of surprise and the advantage of being underestimated. Olaf, this storyline's heartbreaking. You see the effects of the prison, how stressed he is, the physical toll, that getting fried and getting just subjected to manual labor day in and day out. Uh, and the medic is sad too. I, just the lines, I can't help anyone. I don't want to know his name. He feels helpless and ineffective. He's working for people who don't care about the people that he's operating on. And the kindest thing that he can do is kill them. And just the, that, just Kino being like, he's only got 40 shifts left. He's like, he's like, he's almost there. But ultimately, the prison killed him. The prison got to him. And he died. And then at the end, how many guards on each level? Never more than 12. Chills. Absolute chills. It's so good. It's so good, you guys. Oh my goodness. I love this episode. I thought it was really, really great. That being said, that's all that I have for my breakdown. I'm going to move into my review. 
And while I do really, really love this show, I completely understand why people aren't as into it as I am. Um, it's very different and slow and doesn't have the same sort of mythical good versus evil Jedi with their swords of light and Sith with their lightning shooting fingers. It doesn't have that same like sort of magical, mystical element as other Star Wars projects. It's more grounded and real and personal. I personally really enjoy it. But I do acknowledge and feel like some light Star Wars-isms, like a Vader or Palps cameo, even if they don't actually do too much, or a villain like Thrawn, or just like, like I've said in previous weeks, more alien species, something like that. Even if it's not like super integral to the plot, and it's just like, narratively, it makes sense that this person would be here at this time, and you get to see them. And it kind of helps contextualize this within the Star Wars mythos for you. That sort of stuff I think is really important. And also just very special to stuff like Star Wars where it all feels very interconnected. That being said, I still like it, but I do think it could benefit from having, like I said, little Star Wars-isms, little Easter eggs dusted in. It doesn't need to be anything super distracting or impactful, but I think that it could be beneficial to have stuff like that sprinkled in also i feel like releasing the episodes in chunks could have really helped them with this show because it's not being overly well received the people that love it really love it but it's not super popular among the star wars community compared to other things it doesn't have the same hype and i personally love the slow burn i think it's great but these episodes don't leave much to theorize on week to week. So weekly releases of one episode at a time makes some people um, makes it makes some people feel like these episodes that just build tension are more filler based because you don't get immediate payoff. I don't know. I feel like there's merit to both. I personally enjoy it, but I think that you could appeal to a wider range if you maybe release like last week's episode and this week's episode together. So you get the full rising action or maybe just make them longer episodes where they're like an hour and a half rather than 40 minutes a piece. I'm not entirely sure what the solution is because I do legitimately enjoy the way that it's coming out, but I do understand that it's not everyone's favorite thing. So I'm trying to kind of workshop a way that you could appeal to a wider range of people not entirely sure but the payoff is really great for these building episodes but most people nowadays don't have the patience for that so I feel like you need to figure out a way to accommodate for that just fact of life overall this episode was really great even though it didn't cover too much narratively this story makes you care about this story being like the story of the show not just this episode makes you care about every character that you meet really and does a great job of showing what makes people become disillusioned to the Empire's promises. And Dedra was fantastic, and her arc is shaping up to be super compelling. Mon is getting into Murky Waters, which is really exciting. And yeah, I'm just really pumped for the rest of the week. We got th- or the rest of the show. We got three episodes left. I'm really excited, and I can't wait to keep watching it and covering it with y'all. So that being said, let's dive into Visions. To continue, we need one singular vision. My vision. Yeah, there's not much to theorize on. Um, Next week is the prison break. 
Hopefully we see more of Luthen. We didn't get any of him in this episode. Uh, yeah, there's not really anything else, but it all feels really exciting and I can't wait. That's, I mean, yeah, that is probably one of my other biggest gripes is that I don't feel like there's much to cover with these episodes as far as like theories for where it's going and stuff. It's all pretty ambiguous, which is exciting, but at the same time kind of frustrating as a content creator. Oh, well. Um, that being said, still waiting on the Tales of the Jedi review. I'm I'm slammed. I want to cover it. It's really good. I love it a lot. It will come out eventually, and y'all will be informed. But until then, make sure to follow us on Instagram if you haven't already, at Talks. Subscribe to us on YouTube, Twin Sun Talks Podcast. And follow and listen wherever you get your podcast by searching Twin Sun Talks. Share this with people if you think that they enjoy it. Um, that, that would mean a lot to me and would really help me grow my brand, which would be amazing. Um, but yeah, that's about all that I have. You've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the force be with you, and I'll see you all in the next episode. Bye, friends.